I'd just like to let everybody know before we start the podcast, there may be the odd swear word during fighting on the inside. Also, some of the subjects that we cover, especially those surrounding mental health, some people may be affected by these conversations. If you are, then you can find information and help in the show notes. But please, other than that, enjoy the show. Right, guys, before we get started, I would like to say a huge thank you to our sponsor, NordVPN. Now, trust me, take it from me, if you're a boxing fan and you do not have a VPN service, I would highly recommend you get one. There's been plenty of times, so many times, where I've been wanting to watch a huge fight that is broadcast in another country, but have not been able to. But if you go and sign up to NordVPN, you can digitally locate yourself within that country so you are able to watch any of those huge fights you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Also, for just the price of a cup of coffee per month, a NordVPN account can be used on up to six devices, allowing you and your family to stay digitally safe when you're out and about or using public Wi-Fi. So NordVPN also protects you wherever you are in the world. And like I said, if you're a boxing fan, you need one. So before the podcast starts, press pause, go into the show notes, click on the link, and you can go and sign up to NordVPN. You'll get a huge discount plus a bonus gift. So NordVPN, thanks for sponsoring the show. And welcome to Fighting on the Inside. Let's get on with it. and welcome to Fighting on the Inside, the brand new boxing podcast hosted by myself, Jamie Jewett, and soon myself and Johnny Nelson. Firstly, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors, NordVPN, Well Hydrate, Pulse Roll, and Real Power of One. Without all of those guys, we could not be doing what we're doing. Uh, today, we've got Johnny on as a guest, and also with us to my right, we have Joe from Gloves Up, Knives Down. This podcast is all in aid of Gloves Up, Knives Down. So all of our proceeds will be going to the charity. We're doing fantastic work in and around London and the UK, trying to stop knife crime at the source through boxing. Now, boxing is a massive passion of mine. And the reason we started this is we really, really believe we can learn something really important from combat sports professionals like Johnny over here, um, professional boxers, UFC fighters, whoever. So throughout this podcast, you're going to be hearing stories from these guys, hearing about what it takes to fight in the ring and hopefully learning a little lesson about when it's okay to fight, if ever, outside of the ring. So let's kick things off. First, Joe, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, mate. Johnny? You stuck with me. I, yeah, <laughs> Sounds I, like it. <laughs> we're regretting this one. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure to have you guys here. So basically, first, let's let's get a little insight into Gloves Up Knives Down, Joe. What do you guys do? How did you start? How did you start, first off? Yeah, so we started Gloves Up Knives Down back in 2019. Uh, the reason we started was... so. I'll take it back. I started boxing about 14 uh, and one of my friends walked in with two of my best friends. First day together, we, we started as a group uh, and we, we was in it for, for a good few years altogether. And kind of fast forward maybe to 17, two of us stuck in there and one of them had kind of fallen away. And then so get to about 2018, 2019, my friend that had fallen away from the gym, who was by far the most talented, like he was just had natural flair incredible boxer he just i used to love watching him spar he could move around we thought he was like a young floyd when we was we was kids and he'd fallen away from the gym and then he ended up getting stabbed uh through both hands which meant i like, couldn't box anymore 
um yeah and just stabbed through yeah his through, through his hands yeah is this sorry to, to can i ask was that from trying to defend himself yeah or? that was that was the kind of situation that he was in and jesus um so me and my friend, obviously just horrible situation mainly for him but for you know for all of us and we sat around and we thought we we walked it we, we're the same like we've been growing up age together and he was a little bit younger so but he was one or two years younger than me but he was in our like friendship group we was boys you know and we thought we're the we were the same we've all grown up in the same environment went to the same school went to the boxing club the same lived 20 minutes less you know 10 minutes from each other not a lot had changed why did he end up in this situation and why was we not and we just thought it was boxing right it was the fact that we'd stayed in the gym because if you look at it we was all in trouble in school we used to get in fights and we you know we was the probably the louder ones and the you know the jokers yeah, just yeah, the, the people exactly and we'd managed to like for myself i took myself from a kid and working on building sites to got to university like i was never going to be a pro but i would have loved to be you know, that wasn't me but boxing was the thing that i did without fail couple of times a week i used to train the kids i just loved the gym life and i got structure by and it. discipline the right. structure the discipline and going out there was no pressure to drink or to do that because everyone oh, you're, you're boxing they they almost like to see you not drinking and partaking and i think that was that was the core of everything else good like it was the the kind of uh the trunk of the tree where all these other good branches could come from it so when we're sitting there reflecting on this bad thing that had happened, we just started thinking how grateful we were that we had boxing, how, you know, how, how much good things had come for us out of it. And so we thought, look, let's, we couldn't change what happened to my friend, but actually we're all savvy. We've all got skills. If we come together and put our brains together, if we can stop this happening to one person, either side of it, right? If you can, because also at the same time when I was training in the gym, there was kids who went to prison for stabbing people and stuff there. So you, in that environment, you're meeting people on all the sides of it. I must say just quickly from that story, it, it, that's a really extreme case of being able to show straight away what being inside the gym and having the discipline and sticking to it can keep kids out of trouble. Like that's a genuine, as soon as he left and something horrible like that happened to him. But it, it's a real comment like, you know, the, the boxing can, before you've ever been into a gym, I think a lot of troubled kids on the streets, a lot of kids that are getting into trouble, like doing whatever that may be, um, could really be helped by finding their way into a gym. And I guess obviously that that showed you guys that and you guys, that was the birth of, of Gloves Up, Knives Down, right? That's the idea. You want to get these troubled kids off the street, show them the things that you learned from boxing and try and avoid what happened to your friend. 100%. Um, so yeah, how how did it how did it how did it begin then? Like when so that that's obviously sort of the, the motivation behind behind the the organisation. Where was your first step? How did you how did you make that happen? Yeah, so we we sat around. We got I mean we was maybe nineteen twenty years old. So we got kind of some consultancy, some advice from from guys that had grown things before that knew how to run a business, how to organise, structure something. Because we had no idea about that stuff. And we what we knew was okay. We can. So it kind of started as a campaign, really. Rather than what it's become, it's, it's grown out of this. But what was the original aim? The aim was to, to encourage people away, right? To send a strong message of like, to, mainly to inspire people, to get... I'm sorry, I'm going back a bit. So your friend, yeah. what, what happened to him? Did, it, <clears throat> did he, did he what, where is he now? What did he end up doing? He obviously couldn't fight again. So, so what happened to him? Yeah, so he, he's, he's done well for himself. I think yeah. that was like a wake up 
cool. Right? That that's just something that I don't know. When you've experienced it, that that makes you think. Right, I can go two ways from here. I've kind of been lucky, unlucky in some senses, but lucky in others. And so mm-hmm. now, now he's. I think he's just started his own business and stuff. And he's he's done well. Like he's, but he had to. There was a process there of dragging himself away from a life, mm-hmm. and because. He, I think he's a good, good guy, right? And the, the same things that attracted him to boxing, that lifestyle, like he trains a lot now, like more, more, probably more weights training, but he's got that routine back. And yeah, he's, he's, done, he's done well. So I've loved up knives down, grown at a pace that you'd expected or you wanted or, or, or I, unexpected. I think, I think unexpected, it surprised us. We, we had an objective what we wanted to do. Because one thing I'd learned from boxing and also just listening to boxers, right? Because that was what inspired me growing up was the common thread of, I think everyone that's involved in boxing knows that their life would have been so much worse if it wasn't, that if they didn't find the sport. So to get the support in the beginning was really easy because you didn't have to sell it, right? People got it straight away. They knew it, the message, they understood it because it could have been them on the other side. So we got the support from the community and it was a really, it was a campaign. So we wanted to, one of our first objectives was to try and get boxing back into schools. That was one, that was the first thing we did that got us some traction because we thought, this people have got a misconception about boxing that it's violence that yeah, it's this definitely and it's not that at all right like i remember waiting to spar when i went into the gym like waiting for my turn thinking can i do it this week and they're telling you you're not ready yet right that's not even that wasn't part of it till you get down the line you just it's not just walk into a gym and go and have a fight with some gloves on is it like yeah. <laughs> i think that is the like you said that is definitely was a lot better. it couldn't be further from it it's a camaraderie in the gym as well because yeah. you know everybody's probably got the same mission some are good, some are, some are bad. It's the laugh as well. Yeah. And, and that's, it's probably that family atmosphere where you're all, you're all on the same, yeah. uh, on the same path. I, I, I love that. That was my favorite thing of just, and, and after a while you, you are, you're so tight, right? Because this is like a weird obsession that you've all got that really outside the world, you go to school, you go to work. Not, Nobody not, cares. And no one gets it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Like me and my friends used to on a Friday, lock ourselves in the gym and spar before we went out. <laughs> and it was like, you need to talk to someone that doesn't- Get all empty up. Yeah, like we just, that, that was our thing and we loved it. Um, and I, it, was, it was all of these things, right? That, that just made us stick around and want to try and grow something in it and get people in. And yeah. so our ethos at Gloves That Now Is Down is if you, if we can get someone into the gym, if we can show them this guy that you look up to, right? This guy's a tough guy. You, someone like your Dillian Whites or your Furies, these are tough people, right? They get, but they're not street tough. These are real, in, they go in there and do it for it's real, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so if we could ins- get these people motivated, inspire them, get them to consider to try boxing, we get them in the gym, we know that the gym will keep them there, right? Because of all the reasons we've said, once you've found boxing, not many people... You, I guess some people might walk away after one session because it's too hard or, or it's this or it's not them. But most of the time, you get engrossed by it, right? You get, you, it's, it just it grabs you. I think that's the good thing because the reality is a lot of these kids that are in these horrible situations where they turn to, like, you know, there's gangs and there's all these things and there's certain pressures to, to if, if a lot of that is around you, to protect yourself, to join gangs and to all this stuff. These are actually tough kids. Mm. Do you know what I mean? These are kids that, that that really would benefit from boxing, but the good thing about boxing and that discipline and learning what boxing is, and it's not a fight, but, but it, you know, it is in a weird way, control your fear, control your anger. Once you've learned that, you're less likely to look at what you were doing before as being tough. It's like this, th- th- this sport really does show you what you're made of. And I think it teaches you a lot about yourself and a lot about combat and conflict and stuff like that. So I really love the message of you got, uh, that you guys are spreading. I love the fact that you, 
you know that getting getting these youngsters into gyms and, and, and giving them that structure can really keep them off the streets and keep them away and hopefully help tackle mm. what at the moment is a really prevalent problem with knife crime, especially in the UK and especially in London. Um, I think it's a brilliant thing you guys are doing. Can I quickly ask, because it's a really interesting debate and it's something that I hear a lot about, boxing in schools. Um, now, I know a lot of parents, I mean, being a parent now, obviously, I've got two young daughters, um, Johnny, you got nephews and nieces. Three daughters. Three daughters, nephew, yeah. nephews and nieces, and young, young youngsters in our lives. Do you do you think it should be brought back in schools, Johnny? What's your thoughts on that? Because even I've even spoke to boxers that have been on both sides. So, of Joe, the everything so. you were saying about how you, how you, what you felt about going into the gym. Is I was that kid. I mm. couldn't fight when I was younger. Uh, the reason why I went to the gym was to make friends, and that was it. Not the downside of going to the boxing club was actually boxing. That's where my mates were. All my mates now are I know through boxing. All the guys I'm moving around from the box. So that's my family growing up. Um, I just happened to eventually, eventually, along eventually, get good at it. The one thing about what I learned in our gym, because the way we train was very different. We we sparred to the body. Uh, body sparring uh, is something that anybody can do a novice mm. can spar with a, a, a complete pro a heavyweight can f spar with a middleweight because you're just hitting to the body There's, you're not getting hit to the head sometimes Brendan is getting hit accidentally on purpose to the head when you bring that to school that is the only boxing I'd bring to school let them do pad work footwork if mm. they're going to spar spar to the body um, and, and doing it away nobody gets hurt and everybody has a fun time but you don't have to spar you can just do the te technical side of it I go in prisons now and we, we, we used to go in with prisons with Brendan and we'd spar with the prisoners. You know, they'd pay like a pound out of their wages. You know, they'd look for this every uh, for six months, look forward to this. We'd, they'd be in the gym hall. Brendan would bring me and other fighters there. Eight, eight prisoners that were doing all sorts of crimes would actually be picked to spar with us. Our job was not, if we got hit, it was our fault and we couldn't hit them back. So, so, so now all of a sudden, the best people to learn how to fight are the people that don't know how to fight. You don't know if they're going to throw a left or right, two hands at the same time. And Brendan said, said to us in the, in, the, in, the, in the dressing room around the back, boys, if you get hit, it's your own fault. Do not hit them back. And so that's a hard, when you've got a guy that's like in there for doing an eight-year stretch and he's, yeah. all he's doing is bombing, you're thinking, oh my God. And, but, but it's a great way to learn, a great way to learn discipline, self-discipline, self-preservation. So when you talk about bringing it into school, I, I, I champion that so much because in our gym, maybe 10% of people that went to the gym boxed. 90% never boxed. 90% it was just their, that, that was their, a staple part in their life where they went to the gym, they, 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 they got into that community. It taught you to be a better parent, better father, better mother, better person because of the discipline. Guess, actually, there's only one or two fighters that are angry, aggressive people that do well in boxing. Mm. Because if you want to succeed in boxing, you've got to be calm and cool. Yeah, yeah. You've got to hold it down. You can't be a, 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 a hard case that goes out there bullying people because the, the, the more angry you are, the tighter you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And and that's why when you were talking, I'm thinking, yep, yep, you got that right. You were right on the, on the right path there in regards to starting up gloves, with knife, gloves up knife down because that's how you attract people in. I can remember coming out to London, uh, school holidays, first school holidays, and I went to a gym. I, I kind of dabbled in boxing uh, in Sheffield uh, um, before I went to Brendan's gym. And I went to a gym in Tulse Hill mm -hmm. uh, uh, above the Half Moon pub. And I thought, I'm going to try boxing here. I walked in 
and they were smashing each other in the ring. I went, nah, man, I ain't doing that. And I walked out. I left. Now, now, and so that could, that would have been my first introduction to boxing. I thought, I ain't doing, you ain't hit, not hitting me in my head. And I left. And it went by the Sheffield started boxing. The mm. rest is history. But if I, if that would have, was, would have been my first introduction to boxing, it would have put me off for life. So boxing, you've got to do it the right way. You've got to be taught the right way. You've got to have the same discipline. Mm. You've got to have the right kind of discipline because you can walk into the wrong club and it will give the wrong message. Uh, we were positively brainwashed uh, into boxing and it was the best thing I ever did because I'd have either been a cop or a criminal. Mm. Um, and that that's just how life was. That's interesting that you say that because there's almost, a, I guess what you're saying is there's some boxing gyms out there that kind of, do look at boxing more of a fight and aren't doing it right and yeah, aren't, aren't sort of they're not they're not teaching you the art of boxing which is like you've really well pointed out and I think plays into gloves up knives down so well one of the, the and all the best trainers will say the calmer man yeah the thinker yeah. and you can't think when you're acting off of emotion when you're angry and your adrenaline rush and not only do you get more tired quickly you do things you, you don't think straight. You don't think straight. You're not going to throw 15, 15 jabs, 25 left talks, a four-shot, five-shot no, combination. You just think, oh, what a kill in, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that yeah, that skill alone for me I is where I believe this sport and speaking to people like yourself and what we're going to try and do with this show, and obviously we want to get right into your story, Johnny, but that skill there of telling someone how when they next get angry or really nervous or really emotional or fearful, whatever emotion it may be, learning to tone that down put it to the back and be able to think is effectively what boxing does because you're in a high stress situation and through that training you learn to control all of that and channel mm. it and still be able to think that can help you in a board meeting. Shall I tell you when that you, can help yeah. you going into a pitch if you're like it can help any tom dick and harry with their day-to-day -day life not only in conflict it will help you in conflict situations when someone's pissed and wants to scrap with you it helps you in all you, of those you know situations you know you've got it when you can walk away yeah, exactly. And that's another, not only, yeah. The, yeah, that's it, the confidence and all, isn't yeah. it? You go into boxing and you learn how to fight. Last thing you want to go out is go and throw your weight around. For the most part, most people, yeah. you have here your odd person that does. But yeah, I think, you know, it's an, it's an incredible <laughs> listen, thing. And, and listen, it's not all, all roses. Sometimes you walk into a gym, you'll get the odd bully mm. that's learnt to box and he wants a weak, a weak victim. So say, come on, get in and spar, and he's, he's going to batter you. You do get one or two people like that. But an honest, true pro, an honest, true, uh, someone that's learnt his trade, he wouldn't take advantage of a novice. No, no. He just wouldn't do it. It's just not it's not ethical. But every gym's got a, bully, a gym bully, and that gym bully will will will, will be careful of the wars he picks. But he, all, he gets outed eventually. Uh, but boxing, as a discipline, um, as a, a transferable skill in life, and I mean, that's the, the mindset of it. That's a transferable mm. skill. Um, it's the best sport ever. It's changed so many lives. It's, it's mad. I think with, with, the, with the boxing gym, it's incredibly humbling, right, as well. So that, uh, how I, my experience when I was in the gym was, I think everyone goes for that stage where you're rubbish when you walk in, right, and you're getting beaten up. And then all of a sudden you, it starts to click a little bit and you're good. And maybe you, you're a couple of months in maybe and you might, think as you said it's the, your the, turn the best bit is a speedball when you're on a speedball yeah. you think i've got it and then when you get it <laughs> sort of a metaphor for the whole sport that is it's isn't the it? speedball uh, yeah, once yeah. you've got it you start <laughs> chucking to yourself thinking yeah. yes i've done it I'm here. Tricks that, <laughs> and you see i used to see you see someone taking even when it was body sparring or just moving yeah. around 
going for too heavy and, and it, it's not nice to watch. And you can you can kind of spot it a mile away in the gym when someone's being aggressive, right? Because it, it's not really an aggressive yeah. environment when you're moving around, it's, it's mm -hmm. technical. And I always found a coach is really good at humbling and okay, like someone who's taking it a bit too far. All right, you're him next, right? Because yeah, there was yeah, always yeah. someone yeah. bigger <laughs> or more experienced. That's boxing. Yeah, yeah. I used to yeah. see I used to see Prince Asim Hamid batter light heavyweights. Mm. Yeah. He boxed at nine stone. Yeah. And he's proper humbling. I'd see grown ass men come in the gym and get beat up by a twelve year old boy. And it's like so it's a leveler. Yeah. And if you don't know boxing, you could walk in our gym and you wouldn't know who was a champion, who was a challenger. You would get a run uh, a raw a man getting in there with a boy. Mm getting managed up and that's another thing that you take and that's transferable out into the world isn't yeah. it because if you think you're a tough guy and you go around being a bully that's one place that will teach you different um, yeah. and it's 99% of the cases you go in and you like you said you can spar someone like I remember when I was probably 15 sparred an 11 year old kid really good boxer and I just that was my first time I'd sparred yeah. and I was just like and I actually genuinely in my heart hearts thought I was a tough kid I was like really strong and naturally I just couldn't touch him. I was getting popped on the nose, eyes watering. <laughs> and it, but it was the best feeling because from that day on, I didn't for one second in my head. I was never like, I was never any form of a bully. I was always like a nice tempered kid. But I did in there believe I was quite hard. Yeah. And that showed me different. I'm like, right, now what I want to actually do is learn this sport because it's addictive to know. Once you've been humbled, it changes your outlook on so many things. It makes you just want to work hard. In my, in my experience, I think it's a really good thing for kids to have. Hi guys, quick shout out to our sponsor Pulse Roll. Did you guys know that Pulse Roll are on a mission to get people moving? And over the past six years, they have built the UK's leading percussion massage therapy gun used by people such as Anthony Joshua. And Pulse Roll have created a current range of six devices scientifically proven to enhance recovery and rehabilitation. To find out why their range is so good and what makes it so good, visit pulseroll.com where you can find educational content and blogs to help you perform smarter, recover faster, and keep moving. So that's pulseroll.com. Pulseroll.com to help you keep moving. And thanks to Pulseroll for sponsoring this show. One of my good friends out of boxing now, he came to our gym because he thought he could beat me up. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and we sparred, and we and my best friends now. We yeah. said, I've seen him box, he's rubbish. <laughs> Right. So Brendan's and I said, Brendan, can he fight? And this kid, he, he tells me the story afterwards. He said, when you said that, I thought, I'm going to batter you. And so I said, Brendan, can he fight? He said, yeah, yeah, come on, get your gloves on. And he got in, got his gloves on, big heavyweight. And he got in and Brendan said, off you went, next minute. <laughs> this kid's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, <laughs> proper humbler. Uh, but it, it just drags everybody down to earth. But that that the benefits of boxing are... Uh, just, just it just makes you understand and respect yourself mm. and others. That's the benefits of boxing. The downside is 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 very few and far between. Well, you get the odd bully, but that that bully won't last long. That no. bully will get he'll get outed and be, and that and that's why what you're doing is something that Brendan did did in around did around Sheffield for years, uh, and and just to get people off the street and and it's just when he had his funeral. It would they had it at the cathedral in Sheffield, and the amount of people were there, and they'd come up and say, "I oh, met Brendan, you know, I, I, I've, I've got kids now. He told me to go to college." And I'm thinking, how did you have time to meet all these people and yeah. help all these people? You've never been in the gym, so so boxing or the interaction of it, it's just that that family feel, mm. that feel to say, you know, what anybody can do this, girls and boys, and uh, you look at look at boxing now, the females in boxing. You know, they're, 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 they're outstanding. Yeah. I gym 40 years ago, I had girls in, but girls weren't allowed to fight. Mm -hmm. Now, the girls are like top draw. 
I think it's such a funny thing, isn't it? Because people are like, the, the girls now are coming through are so talented and it's almost another thing that's happened where blokes have almost not let them come through in yeah. a sense. Like you said, right? Like you're going to the gyms, girls weren't allowed to fight. It's that whole preconception. And now you get, we've given, like, finally, they've been given a platform and you see all this talent coming through and you see, like, these women Why boxers not? are fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We've missed the trick here for yeah. so long and yeah. it's it's crazy, isn't it? Um Look, Johnny, I guess we'll get straight into your story yeah, then, mate. I know you've said before, I've heard you say it a few times about being what you'd call a sissy when you were younger. <laughs> Explain that. What was your childhood like and why do you say that about yourself? Again, as Joe was talking, talking about going in the gym and not being able to fight, that was me. Mm -hmm. I was that kid, I couldn't fight. People didn't talk behind my back. They'd say it in front of my face, you're rubbish, you're crap, what are you doing this for, you're no good. So when you've got one person saying it, you can kind of ignore it, two, three, four, five, six, everybody's saying it, you think, but actually I thought to myself I don't actually care because I've just come to make friends in the gym I don't want to box anyway so we'd go to the amateur shows all in the minibus and the guys would be talking about knocking somebody out and be sat there thinking oh ow so I'd look at so it was two minute rounds then I'd look at my watch and think how long is two minutes because it's two minutes is a long time mm. if you're getting when battered you're in, yeah. so um, and I, I just I, I'd hope my opponent didn't turn up uh, and then when he didn't turn up, I'd have all the big talk. Yeah, I was going to do this. I was going to do that. All this. <laughs> and I had 13 amateur fights. I won three. I was bad. And like, I was a butt of jokes. But again, it wasn't important to me, boxing. The friendship, the camaraderie was important to me. So, so it got to the point where I'd been there at the gym for years. All my friendship circle were from the gym. So if someone dropped off, there was always somebody else. Mm. I was always in the gym. Uh, and, and, and so that was where I feel, felt most comfortable comfortable away from home. So then it got to the stage where you've got to grow up. And it got to the stage where Brenda said, look, why don't you get, he said, you'll make a better pro than when you, when you, than you will an amateur. He said, turn professional, you're, you're long and you're gangy like a little baby giraffe. And everybody's saying, Johnny, why are you turning pro? You're no good. And he said, if you listen to me, mm. stick it out. Just stick it out. So, and it was about trust. Uh, and I trusted him. I thought, God knows why you're spending so much time on me. And and and, but I wasn't the only one. He he he'd motivate someone to go to college, go to do whatever. Stuck it out. I saw first three professional fights on the trot. Mm. I thought, if I get the five, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to get a proper job. And then I won. I thought, damn it. So so, and that in my head, if I, get, I thought get to got to five on the trot and not win, I'm going to get a proper job, get some kind of job. Um. And stupid enough, I'd still not done anything as a professional. And I had a few part-time jobs in and around the boxing to fit around the boxing as though it was my career. At that point, I wasn't doing anything that, mm. that you thought each kid's going to be good. I was rubbish. I didn't, I, my record was more losses than wins. And, uh, and, but I fit every job. I had three part-time jobs. I fit it around, around, the, around going to the boxing gym. One in a fast uh, food place, Wimpy. I don't think they've got Wimpy's anymore. Like McDonald's, if you guys don't know it. Um, but in Wimpy, uh, a shoe place, next. So I had all these part-time jobs so I could go to the gym, but I couldn't fight. And I, I just thought to myself, Nelson, you can, you need to sort this out, man, because you've got it back to front. And um, and as time was going on and I started to win the odd one, I thought, well, it's not doing bad. I always had that thing, if I get to five fights, then one, one, I'm out of it. Then I started to win. And so, so I thought, I didn't think I was good. I just thought they were bad. My thinking was upside down. You had no self-confidence, That's what I'm you saying. You give yourself any credit that, that's what I'm saying. even when you won. Yeah, even when, so, so when I won, mm. I didn't think, yes, you're a badass. I thought he was shit. 
that, that's how I think. And so Brendan was spending his years trying to turn my thinking upside down. And, and because he understood, he understood that, you know what, you, you, it's about confidence. When you first yeah, walk in the gym. Yeah, your was in here, wasn't yeah. it? And that's what he said. Mm. When you first walk in the gym, he'd say, what's your name? He'd start to answer. He'd yeah. say, stop, face the wall. Tell me about yourself for two minutes. Now, now, and you're like, eh? like just like you did, and, and, uh, <laughs> and like, what? Are you taking a piss? And so, so you turn and face the wall, and then it's a blank, blank wall in front of you. Thinking, what do I say? I'm, they're probably pulling faces or making me like a right mug behind. He did it with everybody, <clears throat> so he wanted you to. He was teaching you to think, mm. think on your feet. So, so, and giving you a bit of confidence to say something good about yourself or talk. It's hard to talk about yourself to say I this, this, this in front of strangers. I can remember Lennox Lewis came in, Brendan told him to do it. Lennox said, I ain't doing that shit. Um, uh, Clinton Woods came in. Do you think I'm stupid? I ain't doing that. He stormed off out. The amount of fighters that came in the gym that wanted to train there, that was the first test Brendan said, talk about yourself. So, uh, so, so it, was, it, was, it was more of a, <clears throat> he worked on the mind as well as he did on the body, which was more as, as important mm. because my problem was I mistook nerves for fear. Mm. So because I was a nervous kid, I thought I was a scared kid. I was just nervous. Where did that come from with you, Johnny? Did you ever, was just, there any bullying or any no, like fights in school? Did was, you ever have anything? Would you I was ever... a mummy's boy. Mummy's boy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, proper mummy's boy. You're like, I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to stay. My mum would say in the daytime, do you want to go to school? I said, nah. And I'd stay at home. I'd go to school just for a laugh. I was a proper mummy's boy. And so Brendan said, you're not going to do anything until you move out of your mum's house because you're a mummy's boy. I'm like, I'm not a mummy's boy. <laughs> I went home and told my mum what he said. <laughs> my mum is so, so, but, 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 and so, so this was, an, it's not just, it's not just about having a hard background. It's not just about being bullied or, or, or being skinned. It's about building you up as an individual. I wasn't a very confident individual. I couldn't mm. talk to adults. I'd start blubbering. So meeting Brendan, he was the first one that would talk to me one-on-one -on -one in my personal space, telling you to, 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 to invest in me. Mm. But he had to do it bit by bit. And, and he believed in me long, long time before I believed in me. And so now looking back, I understood I must stuck nerves for fear. And a lot of fighters, a lot of people do it, not just in boxing, in, in any job or any situation, they mistake nerves are good. So when you make nerves your friend, they think I've got it, but they don't realize that, that, that shaky feeling, that nervous feeling, they think, God, I'm scared. I used to be on the bus thinking, we all train the same. Why am I scared and they're not? But they understood, yeah, naturally yeah, they understood were. what their fear, that what their nerves were. So it wasn't until, you know, whenever I won the title, I believed I was the best at that situation. I won the British title. When I won the British title, somehow, I actually thought nobody in Britain, nobody in Britain will beat me because I believe I'm the best fighter in Britain in my way. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. I believed it. I believed in the title. I believed in in the medals I got. So I won the the British title. Won the Lonsdale belt. Without a doubt, I didn't think anybody in Britain in my weight could beat me. Um, when the European, without a doubt, I, th I didn't think anybody in Europe could beat me. I'm still thinking they're crap. <laughs> I'm not good. So I thought these lot are too crap. They ain't gonna beat me. You know, I didn't think I'm, I'm top dog. My first crack at a world title, that was my day of reckoning. That was my the, the worst and the best time in my life because I boxed for, uh, against a guy called Carlos de Leon from Puerto Rico. He was WBC champion. Mm. He'd done everything. He'd only, he'd only lost to Evander Holyfield at this time. So now I'm thinking, shit, I'm fighting someone that can actually fight here. 
I'd bubbled it before I even got out there, got <laughs> into the ring. And yeah, I can it remember was in your going, backyard as well, right? Yeah, in my in backyard in Sheffield. I can remember going out there into the into the uh, city hall and open the curtain and Linda Lussard is there. Are you old enough to know who she is? No. That's lost okay. on me. Page three model. Okay. Do you know the Wimpy, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I knew Wimpy. So when you said that and you had to tell the audience what Wimpy is, I was thinking, fuck, am I old? <laughs> <laughs> Linda Lusardi was in the audience, cast from Coronation Street, Emmerdale, and Frank Bruno Michael Watts. I'm like, fuck, all these people have come here to watch is me. This old Johnny coming back. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm bubbling now thinking I'm going to get embarrassed in front of these people because right now I'm hustling everybody because they're rubbish. Yeah. yeah I ain't good. good. And I thought, oh, shit. So it got to the fight. I didn't do anything. I grabbed a hold. I ran. They gave it a draw. You know, so I was 22 years old. I drew for the WBC title, but it was the worst fight in the world. People were booing me. And so in my hometown, it was horrible because if you, if you wish for fame, mm. fame comes in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes you might be famous for the wrong thing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's what you wish for. So you got to be careful what you wish for. So from that point in boxing, Nelson's a coward. Nelson can't do X, Y, Z. Nelson's, he's, he's, uh, just got vilified left, right and centre. Mm. In newspapers, he'd have little cartoons in newspapers. From that fight. Yeah, from that, that fight. Went, it went getting, that, it switched that quickly. Getting hammered overnight. Wow. There was guys that wanted to sponsor me. And they were, My best mate, I had Johnny, mate, come down to our company. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm going to give you double glazing all over your house, do this. I'm like, oh, sweet, lovely. But then next day, you know, these guys are like, what a load of shit. Turn the heating up, mate. Proper. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm getting double glazing. No, you ain't. I had people around my house to watch you, know, and they proper would disrespect you to your face and tell you, and mug you off, you thought. And so it was a it was a big it was a big lesson learned and you realise how fickle people could be. Yeah. So Brendan said it's gonna be a good five to ten years before you get over that, but you you will become world champion. He said, You've got to stick at me and trust and, and trust me. I spent six years in Germany and it was the worst and best experience ever because I had to spar and train with the best. I was a sparring partner. So mm. Brendan sent me back and forth to be inspiring part with these guys, but I sparred with the best, the best of German. And so so basically they ship us all out there as sparring partners to beat us up. We were pieces of meat. And I can I can categorically say I've been beat up once mm. in sparring. And I've done thousands of rounds as a sparring partner. I've done one round I thought that will never happen again. You won't get me like that again. And I was actually not doing bad before then. I was slipping and this this uh, Alex Blanchard, European champion and, he, and I was slipping, this guy couldn't touch me. He's getting really frustrated. I'd phone Brendan up at night time. I'd tell, tell him what I was doing. And this Alex says, come on, John, let's go for a drive. Let's get something to eat like he's my mate. He said, listen, you're a good fighter, you know. He said, what you want to learn to do is just stay there a bit longer. And then, <laughs> and then when the punches come, just time it right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Next round in the ring, bam! Put me down on my ass. And I'm like, tears coming down my face. I thought, I was mad at myself thinking, dickhead. Mm. He's had you, dickhead. And that was a one time ever in sparring. But I sparred with guys that had represented their country in the Olympics, had done everything. So the confidence is now starting to grow. I'm thinking, this guy's like had a gold medal. This guy's done this, that, and the other. I've had 13 amateur fights. How am I holding my own? Or if not, battering these guys. So I'm starting to see what I can see, what Brendan could see in me. So after, after six years of being back and forth on the road, when I came back to the UK, after and, and, and remember, it was still a growing thing because I got another crack at the IBF title about two years after the draw. Yeah, my head was still was up my ass. Some guy shouted, "Remember the the Leon fight?" Straight away, when oh, oh god, I, I bottled it again. And so it took time, but when the penny had dropped, 
I truly believed I was the best fighter in the world. So when I won the world title, there's 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 seven billion people on this earth. There's got to, you've got to have some kind of arrogance to think you are the best fighter, yeah. fighting man amongst all those seven billion people. So so the the champions that are out there at the moment that are classed as world champions, there's only a handful of them that actually believe they're the best. Mm. Tyson Fury believes he's the best fighter yeah, in the world. Yeah. Uh, Javante Davis might believe he's the best fight in the world. Other guys have got fraction, uh, little fractions or little little sections of some kind of world champion. They don't believe they're the best. I believed I was the best. And I, know I would say that confidently. And I don't care if people say you're a bigot. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Because because of how fickle people can be, I learned mm. not to take it personal if I didn't know them personally. So, so therefore, I, I'd invested in myself. Brendan invested in me. I knew I could do it because I'd been away. I'd done it all. I'd done. I'd done the things that people hadn't done. So when, like, you're yeah. on social media now, and you've got people saying you're no good, this, that, and the other, the sportsmen and women, not just in boxing, if you are influenced by the negative things people say to you on social media, the biggest idiot is you, mm. because you're the one that's getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning, training, dieting, taking all the nice good things away from your life. So if you're letting an armchair champion tell you you're no good, you're the weak one, not them. They're just talking from their opinion. Yeah. So, so, so to me, it didn't matter what people said to me because I'd had it all my life, and so now I knew what I was capable of doing. So boxing for me, that it was a lesson learned in growing up. Uh, it was a lesson learned in how to deal with oneself, not f just physically, but mentally. And it was always a mental battle with me. And I think once the penny had dropped, I learned little mental tricks to do to, to make myself strong. You'd go running, mm. you'd put your earphones on, you'd run an extra mile, it'd be a lot easier because you'd listen to the music, got a beat on. But all that time, you're not training your mind to deal mm. with boredom, to deal with the argument between my knees hurting, my chest is hurting, God, I'm tired. You're not having an argument in your head. Yeah. So you're not training that muscle there, you're training everything else. So if you're in a hard situation, a hard fight, and, and your mind starts to drift off thinking, God, that was a good shot. Shit, I'm tired. Shit, I'm hurt. You've not trained your mind, so you're going to dive. You're going to think, I want out of here. So, so lessons learned. You think, I've got to train my mind as well. I've got to deal with boredom. I've got to deal with that voice of saying, you can't do this, you're tired. So once I knew I was mentally there, nobody could say anything to me. Once I, as, as in, nobody could say anything that would rattle me because I knew what I was capable of doing. And that's what a lot of fighters don't do that now. A lot of fighters, they, they, they'll, they'll box at home. They won't box away from home. They'll, they'll have all their comforts around them. They'll not take them out of their comfort, self out of their comfort zone. They won't go and be a sparring partner, stay in a shitty little bed sit, you know, for, for, for months on end. And it's a, it's a case of how much you want it. And if you want it enough, then you'll get it. Hello, everyone. So for those of you that may have noticed how good myself and Johnny have been looking throughout this podcast, that's because we are donning real. Now, they produce high-performance sportswear inspired by boxers. Boxing is as much mental as it is physical, and real believe that it's a combination of physical and mental strength. That is where your performance potential lies. Unify body and mind to realize the power of one. Real fights for enhanced mental well-being. So whether you're a seasoned boxer or new to the sport, Real will empower you to test your limits. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Real Power of One, and you can find their store and their newsletter over on realpowerofone.com. And take it from me, this genuinely is some of the most comfortable and high-quality sportswear that I have ever worn. So it's realpowerofone.com for sportswear inspired by boxers. 
And thank you so much to Real for sponsoring this podcast. So funny for young kids that probably listen to you saying that, because I think when you look at professional fighters, obviously you understand that they're still learning all the time, but hearing you go from somebody, a young kid with no confidence, but keeping that lack of confidence for so long mm. through your career and still having no self-belief even after the British title to the point where like, you know, you've given yourself a bit more credit there, but yeah. not, not fully, because everyone else yeah. was crap and you weren't, you weren't good. But then finally, after all that hardship and hard work and defeats and, and ups and downs and someone believing in you, finally believed in yourself. Um, I, it's just quite a, it's a weird thing for me to sit and listen to from yeah, someone who's watched you on the telly and go, what was you thinking at the time? When he won the British title, he thought, God, he's a badass. He's a bad in my I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get away with that. You know, but, 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 what a beautiful lesson. Yeah, but that's is. what I'm saying. And that's why people, they give up. There's a, we have a journey in life. They give up halfway before they get to that journey. And if you do that, it affects every other aspect of your life, your relationships, your, your career. So you've got to think to yourself, why am I doing this? How much do I want it? Uh, and then once you do that and you get that in your head, if you want it enough, then you can achieve every, anything. Yeah. I left school with no education. I couldn't read, I couldn't write. It was bad. Mm. I, I didn't have any career to walk into. I worked in burger joints to, to get around. And I thought, what am I going to do? My lesson started when I met Brendan, and that was it, to deal with people, to, to understand human nature, to get people to, and that was my education. So from then onwards, the best schooling I had was, was life. But, the, but kids, they're not, they, they, they forget that. They forget about just actually knowing, understanding how to deal with people. And so, so in the situation that with gloves up, knives down, kids are now using knives and weapons left, right, and centre to, 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 to settle an argument, not thinking to themselves, well, actually, I get banged up here. It's 10 years out of my life, exactly. incarcerated. And, and, and I, I, I've worked in schools where, where we take that 10% of school kids mm. that, um, that are disruptive within the school. So I, my, I'll have my class. I'll go into the school one day a week. And these kids, had, uh, the first, I can remember the first day at one of the schools I was at, I've got to make it quite clear I'm not a teacher. Because because the teacher the kids that now at school know you can't touch him you can't even usher him out of the room you can't say get it so so kids now be on the phones and the teacher don't just blank the teacher to you and I it's like what but mm. when I walked in school I couldn't believe it and so so they showed me the class I was going in excuse my French so as I walked into the class um, I'm still at the class and some of her on the phone I'm looking at the class the teacher at the back. I said, right, I'm Johnny Nelson. First of all, I'm not a teacher. So if you fuck with me, I will bump into you. And he's like, <laughs> the kids are like sat there in class and he looked at the teacher to say, did you hear what he just said? And the teacher's like, oh God. He can't say that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but then uh, you got them. You got them. And so then my lessons God, with the kids, need it, my lessons with the kids were, some kids aren't good with pen and paper. So every week, say we'd go out, we'd go to a sandwich factory where they're doing 12 hour shifts. I'd show them what life could be like if they didn't do anything with themselves. Yeah. The next week we'd come out to class, talk about it. The next week we'd go to a football ground, see all the ballers playing football and leave uh, and a uh, uh, training ground and you drive home in the flash cars, give them aspirations to think, God, I want that. So you've got to give them dreams and options. And so each week on and off, I'd take him left, right and centre. But, but then at the end of each term, I'd take him to prison. And when you take him to prison, 
they've all that most of them knew somebody that had been to prison yeah and anybody that's been to prison not gonna go, they're not gonna glory they're not gonna say prison was hard they're gonna glorify it. it's like it was easy yeah, piece of yeah. piss that's what gonna, and these kids had that impression and they were at that stage 14 15 in their life where they were gonna go one way or another so i take them to prison i knew the governor the mm. governor said right the kids right you listen to me this is my house listen to me he searched them going in the same way the prisoners go in take the phones everything off and belts off we walk we walk through the prison yards the prisoners are there these prisoners as a kid walking past saying you little shouting all sorts of abuse to these kids and you go into prison with a high fence and you've never you're thinking oh my god it's intimidating yeah so you've got a few hard faces thinking yeah my cousin's been in prison it's easy then we'd go into the into into the mess room where where they're eating saying this is where everybody has to, has to eat together we go into the cell. This is where you have to sleep. Blah blah blah. Everybody's in there. You're sharing a room with. If you want to have a dump, you're dumping right there. And like the kids are like, yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. And one, yeah, and one yeah. of the prisoners. Uh, so we, you'd had set, you had twelve prisoners at the end of each term, and and they were probably on the last two years of their sentence. So they want to do good things to try and cut the sentence short. So they're willing to talk to the mm. kids and say to the kids, "I recognise myself in you." One prisoner was there, and there was a kid, Craig. His name was. And a uh, proper hard face, trouble causer. And uh, this prisoner said, you were like me, you. And um, this Craig, no, no, I'm not. He said, listen, if you was in my cell and I said, I want your mum to bring some drugs in, you'd, you'd do it. This kid, no, I wouldn't. He said, so what are you going to do when the cell door's shut? And it's just me and you. Yeah. And this kid's like, it got right in his face. And this kid's like, what are you going to do? And so, so now this student's got a reality check of bullying. He said, I'd do what you and if you grass, it's not just me get you, everybody will get you. So so it should talking to the kids, giving them a reality check of what prison is like. Then we go into another room. The twelve prisoners are there. I've got cards with crimes on. Theft, drugs, kidnap, murder. Twelve cards. And so I said to the kids, right, give that to the person you think's committed the crime. Oh, with every time it was the, the last card out was murder. Because he thought, I don't want to say he's a murderer. And they always got it wrong. Oh, this old fella, he'd been there for years. Yeah. And like, he just didn't want to come out. You know, kept getting in trouble and, kept, you know, killed someone in prison, back in again. Harmless, but he was institutionalized. And uh, and one of the prisoners says, you know what, prison is, after saying, look, I recognize myself in you. When I was like you, a bit of trouble here. I did. Mm. And, and they, they tell the story so these kids could relate to them. And then the part in... The parting line was, do you know what prison issue is uh, when you walk into coming to prison? Kids are like, no. Soap, toothpaste, toothbrush, towel, condoms. Kids like, huh? So all of a sudden... actually what you're issued with? That, well, well, yeah, there was some, that, that's as you walk into prison. Like, and so they're saying, so the prison say, and the same reaction you lot got there, like, oh, huh? yeah. it's like, it's all on a minute. And so one of them said, there's no beards here. Yeah, I know. It's not accepted, but they've got you for safety. You've still got to be giving them. And so he said, what are you going to do about it if I want you? And this kid's like, what? So now yeah. the reality of an easy life that the cousin or the brother or somebody's telling him in prison, they're not telling you the downsides. They're not telling you the things that could happen in prison. Yeah. They're glorifying it. And every term is the same. We get back to the bus. Uh, we, we're driving home. We're quiet as hell like in a bus. It's rowdy bus as it will go in there. We probably got about five miles out. Fucking hell, did you hear what he said? And these kids are <laughs> yeah. all talking about this. And now the reality of, of how life could be, should be, and shouldn't be has now kicked in. This is end mm. of term. 
and it, and it's it's a reality check for kids or, or kids of a certain age for where they're going to get to. So what I'm saying to you is that with, the, with the, the gloves up, knife down that you're doing, these kids that are committing these crimes, people will glorify prison. Yeah. And, and kids, prison yeah. prison is no fun place if you're in a prison that's there to correct you. Mm. You know, but they, they, but they're never going to say prison's a great place to go to. Prison's a horrible place to go to. And that's why what you're doing is bang right. The reason why I do that at school is because Brendan did it with us. Yeah. He taught us. He took us to prisons. So why go to schools? Now, now, now the, 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 the government are now, have, have now kind of stopped letting us do that, taking kids into prisons. But to me, it's a must. It's something that they should do because if yeah. we want to change the culture, the mindset and the understanding of how kids are, this is things like this, real things like this, not a book, mm. not a second-hand story. Real things like this need to be done. Yeah. Can I, can I ask Johnny, because I took, you know, something quite big from your story um, is clearly the, the role Brendan Ingle played in building your confidence. It was mm. something you clearly lacked as a youngster. Um, but finding the guidance from, from Brendan developed you mm. psychologically in a way that you obviously thank him for massively to this day um and over to you joe like have you know johnny found that guidance as a youngster do you find in your organization that a lot of the issues whether it be low self-belief like johnny or whether it be going out and getting into gangs and being getting into fights being a bully whatever that be do you find a lot of these kids maybe could really do with guidance maybe do they do they miss that sort of parental figure in their life somewhere or the other um like did you find that's a big issue with some of these kids it's interesting like in, in our gym in tottenham one thing i would say is the parents that are dragging these kids down mm -hmm. i think that's that's actually one of the strongest features i see great parents that want their kids to do better and they're sort of holding on they're, they're pushing their kids to come in and try this and do something new and i think so the, so the parents is, is a huge thing that i see i think if you're for example you're from an estate in tottenham Right, you've you might have seen a few of these guys, as you said, that have kind of glorified prison. But you you know people that have been away, right? But you you don't know a world champion, or you don't know a footballer, or you don't know a doctor, or you don't know an entrepreneur, right? Who's come from your estate? You just haven't. You've only got that one side of. If yeah, you want to make money and you want to do options, this, options, options, yeah, yeah, to broaden yeah. your horizons, yeah. broaden your horizons and your <clears> mindset. <throat> so that's why when we bring someone down, like AJ popped down a couple of, maybe a month ago, he kind of popped down to the gym and just said hello to some of the people there. When you've seen him, right, who, when you start talking to him, when you listen to his story, right, there's not much difference between me and him, two arms, two legs, one head. We came up similar, not dissimilar environments. He's taking it to here. And this is what he's telling me. Like, I, I know if I'd met AJ or someone like this when I was training as a kid, that would have motivated me for years. Mm. That would have given me the boost because until you've seen it, you can't really comprehend that oh, this could you, be me. The, the only time you see that person on TV. Yeah. And that yeah. person so is far not away. real. Yeah. But when you meet them, you think, I know somebody like you. I yeah. actually like you. And the problem is, there's a gap between, so right now you're talking about the kids that might be expressed violence or whatever, I get that. But there's also a gap for those kids that are just, who haven't got no confidence. Yeah. Not troublemakers. Mm. And so, and so, and they may end up going that way down the line. So it's, it's, like, it's, it's getting a, a balance of giving something to those kids to say, right, this, you relate to this. Yeah. You know, you want to see somebody a poster that looks like you, that's a CEO, not just a track athlete. Yeah. You know, that, that, that or, 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 you know, that we're talking about being a fireman, being a cop, being an, a doctor. It's just giving those positive inspirations to say, he's actually just like me. Yeah. The, the, the one of the, the main secretaries on the Boxing Board of Control, 
big black guy, it's Copper. Uh, but he, when you talk to him, he is such a nice guy. Mm. But he's now a barrister, criminal barrister, um, and, and and now he works on the boxing model control. This guy used to box, used to be just like yeah. all of us. When you talk to him, but it's it, it's inspiring. You need to see people that look like you to think that's an option. You don't want to think things aren't an option for you, and that's where the issues are. Mm. Um, I guess another thing to take from this again, Johnny boxing's given you confidence, and obviously. You know, it, it, it can do a lot for a lot of different kids out there, but obviously we've talked a lot about kids out there getting in fights, stabbings, the things, you know, the subject of gloves up, knives down um, can sometimes come from being a bit of a bully. But it's, it's amazing that this one sport can take someone with low self-esteem, bring them up to a level and take someone with maybe a little bit too much or whatever reason they may be bullying, bring them down a level and level everybody out and teach some really important lessons that you can take outside of the gym 100%. And, and, and make a big impact. For a sport that's just supposed to be in a lot of people's eyes barbaric or violent or whatever people may say about it, um, I hope this conversation can kind of show people there's so much more to it than it's also punching the, people in the face. It's also the importance <laughs> of why it should be in schools mm. because yeah. it's not just about the physical interaction. It's about mentally dealing with yourself and other people. It's that, and that's why, and if, if, taught, if taught correctly, uh, the results are ridiculous. And I, when I go and speak to kids in schools and stuff, I I make it quite clear. Me at their age, they they outgas me every day of the week. They yeah. know more than yeah, me. Yeah. They write better than me, read better than me. They probably have got all their exams walking out of school. I didn't do exams at school. And I say, well, so if I can do this, what's the difference between me and you? Because yeah. I was poor. We weren't skin. I was poor. Mm. We'd had jack shit. So what I'm saying, and I say to the kids, if I can do this and end up here, I retired as a world champion, set a record of defences, 13 defences. If I can do that, just tell me why you can't. Give me your excuse. And then when you inspire you think, well, yeah, because I've been through the mill. You know what I mean? I've been through the mill in motion. I didn't have to get into trouble with the police. I didn't have to get stabbed. But what I'm saying is, it's about how we look at life, how we're influenced by things around us and how much we want something. And, 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 and having a mentor, yeah. And I've said it before, I keep saying it again, mentors come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. A brother, sister, mother, father, friend, stranger, or a, Bre or a Brendan. Mm -hmm. We all need a Brendan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that mentor, that person like you, 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 just to nudge someone in the right direction, and they look and think, well, you're not benefiting from this at all. Yeah. Well, why would you dis do this for me? David Beckham wouldn't be David Beckham without Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm. Princess Eam Hamid wouldn't have been Princess Eam Hamid without Brendan Ingle. I'm quite sure we can go on, 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 on. Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is mentors come in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes it might be someone really close to you. And they may say something you think, that's not nice. Because they don't understand. They're not being nasty. Mm. They just don't get it. So if your mother or your dad say, my dad used to say, Johnny, you're rubbish. Why are you boxing? My dad. So, so Brendan said, don't bring him to the shows. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing your editing. You know what I mean? And so then eventually my dad's like, oh my God, really proud of me. It wasn't personal. He just couldn't see what I could see yeah, or what Brendan could see. And with, with Brendan, I mean, he was yeah, a huge inspiration to you, right? And he led you through that. And so it sounded like, as you said, when he said to you, you're a mama's boy, right? You yeah. need to do this. Was that part of why he sent you yes. to Germany? And, yeah. and by that's myself, what you needed, away right? From your mom, but yeah. that part, he sent me back because when you're out there, 
they put you in a horrible yeah shit hole. and this is bad news horrible shit hole. it's horrible where there, there's no tv you got a, you can if you, there, there's a radio there mm. if you get it right you get the army radio because we was in frankfurt order on the border of poland where they still used to drive those little yellow travant cars they said don't come out of the hotel at night, uh, not hotel, uh, the, 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 uh, it was like a workplace where the guys would come and work in and we can go home. Don't come out at night time, stay in, your, stay, in the, stay, in the, uh, stay in your room. The only time I went out and saw people was when they came and picked me to go to the gym. And that was it. It was, and so when you're in that situation, you want to go home because you're there for months. They give you a ticket, you're flying to Berlin. Get to Berlin, someone picks you up from Berlin Airport, drives you all those miles down to the border of Poland to Frankfurt or to East Germany. Um, and then when you're there, you're there for three months. Now, if you want to go home, you're going to find your way back from Frankfurt order <laughs> to Berlin and buy your flight and you get paid at the end of your, of your, of your sparring. So that means if I leave, all the weeks I've done, I ain't getting nothing. paid for. Yeah. I've got to get the money to get from myself from Frankfurt to Berlin, get a flight from the, and sort it all out. So when you're there, you're stuck there. Mm. So most of the Americans, they, they'd, they'd fly them over there and they'd be getting battered. I'd see him in the gym getting battered. So at the hotel at night time, they'll be getting drunk. Yeah, because to, just to drown and to be on the phone to, they're spending all the money on the phone to the missus like yeah. and so they'll be getting drunk at night the next day they get battered even more yeah. so every day I kept drinking a thing called multi-mineral it was like I didn't drink I didn't like the smell of beer I saw the coach I was the only one that would never got battered and I kept six years back and forth mm. and the coach came to the guy that owned the bed and breakfast and said what is he drinking at night time oh no what's he eating as in me he told him what I ate, told him what I drink. He said, don't give him one two million, give him beer. So the coach is telling him to give me beer. So so the, the owner of this place came and told me, he said, look, the coach has said to me to give you beer, not multi-million. He said, beer costs more than multi-million. If you tell him I'm giving you beer, you can still have multi-million. Just don't tell him I went cool. So he, so, so because, and, and the lesson I learned there, apart from to, to have more confidence and self-belief in myself, when I became champion and I got sparring partners, I made sure my sparring partners stayed in the best hotels, mm. got the best food, and they were happy. Because if they're happy, I'm getting the best of them in sparring. Yeah. Why am I going to get someone that was pissed up the night before to spar with? It's not going to improve me as a fighter. Mm. So every one of my sparring partners, they all knew they were taken care of good. They didn't want for anything. I'd bring them around to my house at weekends. They'd, they'd, have, we'd have, they'd eat. My wife would cook for them. We were friends. But when we were in the ring, I'd say, are you getting paid for this? I'm giving you £100 a day. And you'd hold tell you're all right. And so, and that was the whole point. But when I was out there, it was the worst. I, I found a letter from Henry Akinwande, again, another name you don't know, ex-fighter. And he, he was writing, he brought the letter to his girlfriend and thrown it away. Obviously, didn't finish it off saying, I hate it here. Mm. I'm going to get a flight home. And I looked at it, I thought, Jesus Christ. You know, and, and, and the amount of people that went there and left, you're out of pocket. Yeah. And I mean, it cost you a couple of grand to get home. But I kept going back. Brendan kept sending me there again. He said, are you sure? Yeah, I'm going back, Bren. I'm going back. Because I knew if I kept, if I said no and I turned away, it, that wouldn't just affect my boxing career, but affect me mentally. Mm. As to say, I'm not a sticker. I can't, I have to give up. I give up at everything. So once I'd done that, my discipline in life is, is if, I've, if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it. No, yeah. part, no matter what, I can do it. Even now when I don't box, on a Monday I fast. I fast because, not for religious reasons, I fast because I think I want to show that I've still got that discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday night, six o'clock, I stop eating. Don't start eating again till Monday night. Just say he does turn up here with his little meal prep as well. And, <laughs> yeah. In fairness, but, <laughs> more but, discipline than but, I am at 32 what, years old. What I'm saying to you is that, that, that mental discipline 
is just to say to myself, I can do anything. If I don't want to do something, I'm not gonna think, oh God, I, I can't do that. I know I can do something. Yeah. Because I have the discipline to do it. I've tested the discipline. So once you've tested the discipline, you know you're capable of doing something. Mm. So it's just, it's not just about training your body. It's about training your mind in every walk of life and what we do. Johnny, again, you know, you're closing out there talking about the person you are now psychologically and your mindset these days carried right through into your 70s. Oh, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Oh, easy, Tiger. Carried right through <laughs> up to this day. Um, how much of that would you say you have to Brendan Ingle to thank for? All of it. All of it. I wouldn't be the person I was today if I didn't meet Brendan. This guy, uh, he showed me something I suppose parents can do. And you mentioned parents earlier. I think sometimes you've got kids bringing up kids. Mm. Uh, in our gym, Brendan would not let the parents come in the gym. They had to stay at the door. Uh, and making the kids be responsible for themselves. Brendan was a, a great inspirer. Um, and to me, if I didn't meet him, I wouldn't have boxed in a million years. I wouldn't have boxed. If I didn't meet Brendan, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I've learned so much from this guy uh, that all I want to do is pass on his legacy, what he taught me. Because I think when he passed away, I thought, it's such a shame because this guy has got so much knowledge, so, so there's so much to give. Yeah. And he taught us all so much. And so my job, what I do, and people saying, why are you doing it? Because he did it and I know the benefits of it. Yeah. I know that people can benefit. So when I heard about Gloves Up, Knife Down, I loved it. That's why I said, yo, get me involved. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say, obviously, to anybody listening, um, if you know anybody that, that could benefit from from some guidance, um, from a mentor, or just from from the, 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 the benefits of boxing, as we've spoken about it now, I'd highly recommend um, getting them into a boxing gym, looking up Gloves Up, Knives Down, seeing the amazing work they do. Um, and yeah, is there anything you want to say to close out there, Joe? No, look, uh, thanks for one for having us on and letting us talk about Gloves Up, Knives Down. And just a massive thanks for you two, because this is going to be an incredible podcast. It's going to be incredible to spread the the message of what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. And yeah, just such a pleasure to be to be involved. And and every, all the support means you know it means so much to us. We're a very lean organisation. We just and that's the beautiful thing about boxing as well, because it's run on goodwill and heart and love and passion and like some of the coaches at our gym they're in their 70s eight i might even be giving them knocking 10 years off there with their 70s like <laughs> they've been there their whole lives and it's just i think people it, it, it's it's not what they physically it's just what they give from within themselves right to as you said with, with brendan just investing in people when they don't really have to they could easily stay in bed on a saturday morning mm. but they're out there and and they're doing their bit and 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 then some um so it's, it's them people really that make this Gloves Up Nas Down organisation great. All the, the coaches, all the people at the Tottenham Tottenham Hub who who are just spending day in, just how, how Brendan did day in, day out with these kids, getting to know them, giving them a, an alternative point of view, sometimes giving them that, you know, that little push up when they need it, little pull back when they need it. I think they're, they're doing incredible work and I think anything we can do here to, to support, support them is, is incredible. Well done, man. So yeah, and on that note, um, Myself and Johnny are going to be, from this point on, um, both interviewing um, combat sports professionals, professional boxers, some massive names that a lot of you guys will know. Um, and Don Johnny's going to be there to really delve into the stories of these guys and hopefully 
um, teach you guys a few more lessons, not only about our guests, but about ourselves, about what boxing can do for us, what it can do for everybody out there, and why we love the sport so much. So, yeah, tune in next week. Um, and this was Fighting on the Inside. Thanks for listening. This is Rocket Audio.